passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It is John Pollock waiting with you, and yes, winter has come. It is here. I, I would argue it's been here for a while. It's very cold out. There is a big gust of wind. I was out on my bike today, and boy, it was... Um, wow, you're still biking. I, I guess it's not really, you know, snowing yet. It's still biking weather, yeah. So yeah. Okay, good uh, for it's you. It's cold. It's very cold. Winter, winter has arrived. Officially, yeah. With this uh, edition of AEW Dynamite, this is when I bring out the jackets and, you know, shovel. Not, not for this crowd in Arlington. They were heated tonight. This this was a great crowd in uh, Arlington tonight. Like, it was under 4,000, mm-hmm. but I thought they were into a lot on the show. I thought this was a pretty strong dynamite crowd that they had. Agreed. So that's it. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. Dynamite. Uh, good crowd. That's it. That's all people come here for really. Yeah. Tell me about your day way. How, how did it, uh, any um, highlights? Not, I wouldn't necessarily say so. I mean, you know, once, once you're back from vacation, every, everything is pretty mundane. Um, Oscar, oh, sorry. Oscar's been dealing with some, like maybe traveler's diarrhea so that's been a lot of fun you know he's he's not really eating as a result and uh that was sort of um you know maybe he's on a hunger strike um for what reason to go back to this magical place that you took him to and now ripped him away from like why are we back here i don't understand this you probably got it there so i don't know i'm not so much i'm not so sure how about you What's what, how was your day? Um, 
my day was a roller coaster. So um start off very nice. I had breakfast with our pal WH. Uh, so that was Did nice. You? Caught up with him. Yes, went to a nice spot. And then so um my uh, Max had to stay home sick from school today. So mm-hmm. uh, my wife stayed home in the morning so that I could go out and then I would watch both kids for the rest of the day. So this began at uh, 1130 and I watched them until she got home, which was around 630. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. They were actually pretty good, but it was. Um, How did you do the show? This uh, the, with them? I, I tried to do two things at once. And uh, for anyone that was paying very close attention to the video version, there was a three minute part where I had to step out uh, because one of them had to go to the bathroom and I needed to assist them. So gotcha. I was just, but when my wife got home, I was like, I need to lie down and I fell asleep for like an hour. I'm, I'm exhausted. I, it was, it was just a long day, but nonetheless, here we are to chat about dynamite. Let's do it. All right. We're going to start off with uh, a couple of uh, news items and CM Punk. He has been added to a pair of live events at the end of the month, the post-Christmas house shows at Madison Square Garden on December 26th and December 30th at the Kia Forum in Inglewood, California, where he will be wrestling Dirty Dominic Mysterio, which I think is a great choice of opponent. And I think these are going to be very heated matches and they should provide a lot of uptick for uh, tickets for these shows. I think uh, that's a guarantee and probably very smart to get him in the ring and just you know go out and see how see how he is totally yeah i mean i think everybody could use some reps and um doing it this way allows you to not just um you know get some of that ring rust out if you're seeing punk but also to uh promote something special for a local um audience and then maybe eventually deciding to put that onto tv i just hope they they give this feud you know the 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 sort of historical build-up um that it deserves you know even if it is just to set up for punk's rumble hey, that, that, that raw that day one raw is in san diego i mean if ever there's a time for Aliyah oh, yeah. to make her return after all this time would be wonderful yes yeah. That would be great. Heal Aaliyah with Dominic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Punk was uh, he was at the Performance Center on Tuesday. And, you know, he is he is very much just uh, he's going in headfirst to everything here in, in WWE. And we will see what the impact is on house shows. We will in a few minutes get to his impact on the raw number on Monday. Uh, Kushida has signed a contract with TNA. And it sounds like this is going to be uh He'll still continue to split his time. This is not going to be an exodus from New Japan Pro Wrestling, who uh, TNA and New Japan are are back in good spirits as they are sending Okado back for old time's sake. And uh, Kushida now signing with TNA, which, I mean, he's been already splitting his time between the two. But I guess this is now a formal <laughs> agreement that he has with TNA. You mean to do that? Splitting uh, his time? I actually didn't, but I'll uh, I'll just <laughs> go with it. That's like me referring to the Winnipeg Jets as my tag team name with you. (laughs) Go with it. Next up, we have. uh, Well, did you did you catch any of uh, Tony Khan's? Uh, Just just the notes and and the reports. I did not at this point um, choose to listen. There wasn't a whole lot to this call, I will say. Uh, I would say the most noteworthy thing was that he did confirm Nick Houseman's report that they were they had a visit with the CW last year at the Kia Forum, it, or well, he's in Los Angeles, uh, regarding Ring of Honor's television rights. So um, 
that that was that was about that i i did try to get an updated subscriber number for honor club but uh he would not take the bait on that particular one if the last update was in march and he said fifteen thousand subscribers mm-hmm. what would your guess be now higher or lower oh i i would definitely say lower um up let's until... say let's say as of like a few weeks ago so we're not yeah. getting any kind of tr- uh, like sir like this week you would think naturally they're going and he said as much they've received mm-hmm. the boost with the pay-per-view coming up but i guess yeah. pre-final battle hype like where would you have tabbed it at i i think there's that initial burst of curiosity when they announced it and then um as with i think a lot of things um maybe a, a slow weathering of interest and you know once people start recognizing how how often they're they might be using it um but it's also really hard to say especially now with you know, I, I would say like the biggest push that they've had since, you know, uh, um, um, uh, building Honor Club um, with putting this pay-per-view on, on that service completely. So um, may, maybe slightly the same or maybe even above wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah. And I would say a decent amount of promotion for the show tonight on, on like not anything like over uh, – it, it wasn't like a giant push, but enough that you know what the two key matches are with Athena and Billy Starks and the FTR Mark Briscoe BCC match that they pushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go over to uh, ratings notes. We will start with Raw from Monday night. They did a million four hundred sixty six thousand viewers and a point four six in the demo. So on its face, you look at this, they were down four percent, but they were going up against two NFL games as opposed to one. You had the Dolphins and Titans and the New York Giants against the Green Bay Packers. So the Across ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, you had 19.6 million viewers watching football on Monday, um, significantly more than the week prior. But when you get the quarter hour breakdown that WrestleNomics has, it, you see the impact that one Phil Brooks had on this show. And you just see this graph and it just is a big spike at 9 p.m. to 9.15 p.m. for CM Punk's decision. They hit uh, I believe it was 1,881,000 viewers, which was a 25% increase from the prior quarter. So, um, and they checked right back out once the segment was over. So it was, um, yeah, I mean, definitive. This, you take that segment out and it was like a pretty consistent audience throughout those three hours, but a huge spike for CM Punk. It follows, uh, you know, his segment being the most watched on SmackDown on Friday and, I mean, they are very much in in the honeymoon phase, and he's the he's the biggest star in the industry at the moment. That is very true. Yeah, um, and I think it it certainly bodes well um, for Seth Rollins. You know, it, it it certainly helps that um, that segment happened to feature maybe his best promo of his entire career, and um, it's it's made this feud you know feel like it's it's one of the hottest things heading into WrestleMania season. So um, they had a great audience, and they took full advantage of it. I was talking to someone about this today. I want your thought. It's probably hard to fathom, but is is there a scenario you think that if we go with the assumed main events for WrestleMania, is there any potential that Rollins and Punk could get the night two slot? Or do you think it is preordained that it would be Roman Reigns will be in that slot and no yeah. amount of momentum will affect that? I think it's pretty safe that Roman would be in that spot, regardless of who his opponent is. I mean, yes, if it's Dwayne, for sure, it's going to be night two. But if even if it's Cody, it's the more long term story. Um, even up until this point, I would argue maybe it's the one that has the most interest. It's the more prestigious championship. Um, so for all those reasons, unless something drastic happens, you know. 
Then we go to NXT on Tuesday night, and they had four, uh, 678,000 viewers up 8% from last week, a 0.18 in the demo, so falling 6%. Where they really were hit were, were the 18 to 34 audience that this was airing against the uh, the NBA game between the Lakers and the Suns. But in particular, men, 18 to 34, way down this week. And the 18 to 34 demo, it was their lowest since July 11th. And that is the demo that NXT greatly um, emphasizes and puts a lot of focus on. So that is, it, it is a noteworthy number to uh, pay attention to. Was this just a one week blip? Um, we'll, we'll see. But the show itself, we saw the main angle involving Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, where Carmelo Hayes was attacked earlier in the evening. Although, much like MJF, we never saw him attacked. And then it was uh, Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes out for the final segment, and Carmelo Hayes trying to convince trick that it was Ilya who attacked both of them and going through all his different examples and then as they go for a tug of war with the belt Carmelo rests the title away and accidentally knocks Trick Williams right in the face Uh, you know things happen when you're within close um distance with each other you know there's there's a lot of um uh times in wrestling where just you don't you want to get out of people's way but yeah, we have a lot of whodunits going on right now in wrestling. I, I think this Carmelo trick program, it continues to be my favorite thing in NXT. I think they're they're doing a great slow build with it. And I and I I it will be very interesting to see like this this buildup of Trick Williams, if he can really pull a number on his own challenging for this title in a few weeks on free television, where at the very least you would think you're getting some kind of an angle, some progression with Carmelo Hayes. And I also I, I it's probably a, a less uh, chance of happening, but putting the title on trick and that becoming your title program, I, I don't throw that idea out the window either. Um, there's mm-hmm. several ways you can go about it. I don't think this has to be a non-title program between Carmelo and trick. Cause so much of this is kind of based around one of them being the top guy. Agreed. Yeah. He very much right now feels like next in line, you know, I mean, dragon off, I'm sure it still has a long ways to go to establish like a, a really great run. But I mean, trick feels like he's an incredibly hot prospect right now that they're just kind of gearing up for that, for that spot, that world champion level spot. So um, we'll see what they do. I wish people could see off air when way and I get into arguments and way when he yells at me, he turns into Ilya and he, uh, he gets very um, animated. Uh Ilya to me is like, listen, this guy's an unbelievable wrestler, but this might be the largest like over actor I, I have ever seen in, in a pro wrestling setting. Is that not sort of like the, the appeal though? I know? think it is to a lot of people. It's just, it's um, like, it's, it's the intensity, but it's like, it goes to a certain line where it's almost like I, I can't fully take him seriously at times because it's just, it's so over the top. Like I am waiting yeah. for a vein to burst. I'm curious to see how like the main roster would react to him, you know, like in the performance center or um, yeah, they, they're, they're very receptive. I think there a lot of people might've come with knowledge of already who he was, but on the main roster, how would they react to him? And we might find out sooner than later. We also had the start of the men's breakout tournament. So we had Oba Femi beating miles Bourne and Riley Osborne. So we have a Bourne and an Osborne, uh, Riley Osborne beating Keanu Carver and the big news way your pick Trey Bearhill is out of the tournament replaced by Lexus King, who will now take on Dion Lennox uh, while we will also get next week Tavion Heights against Luca Crucifino, who we have seen uh, plenty on on level up. But uh, great names, all of them. 
yeah, the, Trey Bearhill uh, is a good one. Uh, Tavion Heights. Uh, yeah, there's the double borns. So clearly we are, uh, mm-hmm. we're not worried about people mistaking Riley Osborne from Miles Bourne. Oh, there's enough room. All right. That was NXT. And finally, before we uh, wrap this up, uh, just two more items here. The Tokyo Sports Awards came out over the last couple of days. So these were our winners. The MVP of the year, Tetsuya Naito, after winning the G1. Best match of the year, Shinsuke Nakamura against Great Muda. I really thought that Muto and Naito were going to win this. But, I mean, when you get these awards, the Tokyo Sports Awards, they very much are like, if Naito's getting the MVP, he's probably not getting the best match of the year on top right. of it. You know, for Tokyo sports, they could have given it to Great Muda and Masahiro Chono. Like, that's the kind of awards they are. Like, it's right. the that, that one year that Okada and Tenru had that, like, mm-hmm. dreadful match at the, in, like, 2015. They gave, like, they, they gave that match of the year to those two. Hmm. Uh, best tag team, Bishimon. I mean, they held the tag titles all year. They just won the World Tag League for the third year in a row. Outstanding performance was... Hiromu Takahashi, which they put on the New Japan website, like this long, like this two paragraph, like, thank you. And it stated basically a publicist wrote this. Hiromu's actual response was, what the fuck? Okay. He doesn't seem too enamored with this win. Uh, The Fighting Spirit Award went to uh, Keno. Technique Award to Yuma Aoyagi. Rookie of the Year to your All Japan Tag Team Champions, June and Rei Saito. And the Women's Pro Wrestling Award to Tam Nakano. There you go. Congratulations to all the winners of the Tokyo Sports Awards. And the final thing that we've got here is that the long-awaited film on Mark Kerr looks like it is, is... I thought this thing was dead because this was announced way back in 2019 that Dwayne Johnson's Seven Bucks production, they had gotten the rights to Mark Kerr's story that, I mean, have you ever seen The Smashing Machine? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent, excellent documentary if you want to uh, seek it out. But yeah, it's it's going forward and this is going to be produced by A24, Pro Wrestling and MMA's friendly production house. Mm-hmm. Well, I do wonder if um, these uh, maybe critical success thus far of the Iron Claw, maybe the interest in the Iron Claw is helping help them, you know, uh, look towards. Um, this There's going to be a lot of buzz on this film with, with, mm-hmm. with the Iron Claw. I mean, it's yeah. um, you're starting to see a lot of very positive reviews coming out. I mean, some uh, some outlet had it as like one of the top 10 films of the year. So, I mm-hmm. mean, that they can't buy press like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but um this will be happening, and they've also assigned a, a writer to it. I'm uh, Benny Safty uh, will be yeah. the writer and director. Are you familiar with him? I am. Not. Um, yeah, yeah. The Safty brothers, like you know, they've worked on uh, some Adam Sandler, like Uncut Gems, um, mm. along with like a lot of um, like he, he's part of a uh, Nathan Fielder's um, The Curse right now. So, um, I'm certainly incredibly interested in this. I mean, number one, it's you know, uh. It's one of like the first great, um, I think, MMA documentaries that's ever existed. Um, and it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson attached to it. And considering I'd argue it, it still might be the best MMA documentary. I mean, it's sure there's not a, a crazy deep list of them, but it's it was excellent. I haven't watched it in several years, but I was just blown away when I first saw it. 
Yeah. And considering it's A24 now attached to, um, you're you're going to be expecting maybe Dwayne The Rock Johnson at his most maybe serious, you know, um, most dramatic. Um, and it's it's not just going to be an action movie, even though I'm sure there will be plenty of that. Um, so who plays the other, uh, the other uh, members of the Pride roster of that era, you think? You really need a, a great convincing like Mark Coleman in there. I mean, you're going to have... I mean, just think of like those UFC 14 and 15 tournaments he was in and then Pride. I mean, did, did Dwayne Johnson and Mark Kerr ever fight in Pride? <laughs> Maybe that was Dwayne Johnson teeing up the uh, this project with, with that. It, it is amazing that we have 51-year-old uh, Dwayne Johnson playing like mid-20s Mark Kerr in this film. They might have to uh, put some CGI on, on, on that to, to make him. I don't think Dwayne Johnson needs much much CGI. <laughs> I, I don't know what his, his secret is. But the story is, is you know, going to be kind of touchy, don't you think? You know, with, with oh, uh, dude, substance you, abuse, steroids. The Mark, and... the Mark Kerr story, it's, it's, it's steroids, it's drug abuse. It's um, mm-hmm. And this was a guy that at a period, like he was viewed as like the heavyweight star that was going to break through. But when the UFC was sort of in their their darkest period and then he goes to pride, um, he was a he was a big deal at a time. This is, you know, pre pre ultimate fighter boom um, that Mark Kerr in the late 90s. He was and then becomes this kind of tragic figure and then, you know, keeps, you know, it was just piling up loss after loss. And it was. It's it's a sad story in, involving Mark Kerr, but one that uh, it's a riveting story at the same time. Yeah, and I don't know how much like I've, I've necessarily heard Dwayne Johnson speak about the topic of steroids. I'm sure he has plenty of times in, in the media, but I this is kind of you know him diving into the topic, right? So during the press um, tour, I'm sure he's going to be talking about that a lot. All right. All of your news can be found at postwrestling.com, and we're going to be moving on over to uh, Dynamite, but want to let everyone know that Thursday we have Rewind Away coming your way as we are going to be chatting the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 from 2005. We're going to review the first three episodes where mm-hmm. one man is eliminated via his ability to lift the couch. And we will find out the early days of the <laughs> ultimate fight. Dude, this, I really want to like assess this way from if this came along, it's, it's impossible. You can't ask if this came along today. Cause this was totally time and place, but um, yeah, this is the famous shot of uh, they did a updated version of this a few years ago when they were um, w- with like the, with the members all these years later um, and compared to any, they even got Diego to do the splits at the front, but yes, we will huh. chat about the three first episodes and the finale fight between Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. Uh, I've got a ton of notes on on this time and interesting stuff to dive into. What was the the, the transformative series for the UFC and without this show and for it, MMA? I would I would argue, John. You could certainly say with with mixed martial arts, this was this was the hail mary from the Fertitas. Like had this not been a hit, the Fertitas were probably cashing out at, at that point and just writing this off as a failed investment. And who knows what what would have been of the UFC if it would have been. You know, you had Dan Lambert, who back in the day had an interest in it, but never running it at the level that the Fertitas and Dana planned it to be like this. This could have been the end of the UFC. This was they had to pay for this entire show to get onto Spike TV. And mm. there weren't any other suitors that wanted this. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very much looking forward to talking about this. I mean, it, it just really takes me back at, at, at a time where I was a pretty disenfranchised WWE wrestling fan. And, and this reality show featuring 
you know, this brand new sport that was also kind of like wrestling, but not exactly, but yet um, had all the elements that I was missing out of my professional wrestling viewing. Um, it, 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 it's, it, there's a lot to talk about. So looking forward to it. Yes. So that's all coming up on Thursday. Friday, it's a free edition of Rewind to SmackDown at 10 p.m. Eastern time because Kate and John Cena will be doing a show live on the cafe right after Final Battle. So postwrestlingcafe.com members, $6 for the month gets you our multiple bonus shows per week. That includes Rewind Away. That includes a Collision Course. And it includes your Final Battle review that is coming up on Friday. So. That is all coming up. And a UFC review will be coming Sunday with myself and Eric Marcotte along with the NWA podcast. A lot happening this weekend, as always. Postwrestling.com. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, if you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We move on over to Arlington, Texas, College Park Arena, starting the show Samoa Joe comes out, very strong reaction, and addresses MJF being laid out last week. No MJF on the show, selling the effects of the beer bottle attack that Joe notes was a brand of beer that a certain cowboy likes. And when he went there to check on him, it was the familiar smell of Stetson and disappointment that he associates (laughs) with Hangman. And that page went missing. So Hangman comes out. He's not going to have his good name uh, denigrated. He's waiting for Hangman to come out and say, hey, you can't just cut a promo on me on live television and not think i'm gonna come out and answer this challenge oh this, this is 2023 you can't do that that's insane mm, yikes so hangman doesn't care about any of this devil stuff doesn't care about the bromance or this game of clue joe says i'm not out here playing detective i've made up my mind i'm here as an executioner and the crowd goes "Ooh, he's gonna kill him and then we hear samoa and Roderick Strong comes out with the kingdom, calls Hangman his old, his previous young boy back in Ring of Honor. And that his case is that MJF is the devil because the devil, uh, the devil and his masked men never attacked MJF. And last week, we never saw MJF laid out. So that's his theory. Page then lays out Strong and then focuses on Joe when Strong attacks Hangman from behind. And that segues into the match. So... We kind of bookended the show with the devil storyline, but within the body of the show, I mean, they kind of left the devil stuff for the beginning and the end. And then we're going to give you a pretty solid wrestling show for the other two uh, hour and 58 minutes. Sure. Right. Um, and I guess that's like a good defense. I was fine with the balance. 
but why do this at all? I suppose is the question. If this it's is the, the main part, angle, it's the main. But angle. if it's the main angle that is routinely criticized, and and um, I don't know to the point where you need to justify its existence by giving the the rest of the show good wrestling. I, I suppose, like, is it is it really that beneficial? Listen, I think we're all talking on some level talking about this devil storyline we want to know what the end result is it's going to be a great way of building to whoever is you know supposed to face mjf at the end of all of this um but it's still these segments still to me feel like they're the weakest parts of the show i i think it's a murder mystery that is still very amateurish to me when it's presented and it continues to feel like aew is playing in territory that feels very far from what they do well which is good you know sports-based professional wrestling um this topic has kind of been you know uh, beaten to death in, in relation to mjf but the fact that it's still maybe so persistent and and to the point where I think we're almost excusing it because there's good wrestling on the rest of the show. I, I continue to question how much it's actually adding. Well, Roderick Strong and Hangman Page kick off the show match-wise, and we get big chants of uh, cowboy shit, and Taven is grabbing Page from behind Aubrey's back. Strong then drops Page with a backbreaker on the top turnbuckle, go through the break, and Page tries for a moonsault, lands on his feet, pop-up powerbomb for a two-count, and then Strong grabs the rope to stop the dead eye, executes an angle slam and a tiger driver, goes into the stronghold, and now it's uh, Paige getting out. Bennett, Bennett distracts Aubrey as Paige takes out Taven on the floor, knocks down Bennett, hits them with the Orihara, and as he goes for the buckshot, it's caught, and they go through with a discus lariat, and finally Hangman catches him with the dead eye, pinning Roderick in 14 minutes and 48 seconds. I thought that this was a uh, b- b- very good, uh, strong pro wrestling match. Agreed. Yeah, really excellent opener. Both of them very spectacular performers. Page especially, great looking offense as always. He seems to have retained a bit of that sort of a harder pissed off edge that he gained from that sword feud. And uh, it kind of feels like they're finally putting him back into the spotlight as they should after, you know, he and Swerve became really the talk of the uh, last pay-per-view. I thought we were going for a direction that after he was uh, after he was hung by Swerve that it turns out he too is next strong. Um. Yeah, I guess. I guess he is. Sure. Yeah, you, you don't like that direction for him, do you? No. Um, him joining. Would you, the would you wear a next strong T-shirt? I mean, if if somebody bought it for me, sure. Yeah, why not? Did you see their latest uh, Adam Copeland merchandise that they introduced on this show? I have. Uh, no, I have not. It is a uh, rated R button-up dress shirt. Okay. Let's see. Let me see if I, I mean can the holidays it. are coming up. People are going to their holiday parties, their get-togethers with family. What what says, "Hey guys, I'm I'm the rated R superstar with my button-up dress shirt." Button-up, interesting. Yes. Okay. Not not the style typical of the pro wrestling merchandise selection. I not can't even find it in, in pro wrestling merchandise. It might be sold out already, but oh, they maybe. they aired a graphic of this during the show. We're going right to the next match. Brody King against Andrade El Idolo. Both men 2-0 with six points in the Blue League. Uh, King has wins over Eddie Kingston and Claudio. Andrade beating uh, Daniel Garcia and that great match with Brian Danielson on collision on Saturday. So Andrade works a long headlock and then breaks a choke on the edge of the apron by Brody and hits a moonsault to the floor. And the announcers explain, much like the 
G1 that in the event of any tiebreakers, these match outcomes will solve those tiebreaker scenarios. <laughs> so King's in control after the break. There's a series of dragon screws by Andrade. He does a kip up and the crowd is cheering him. And Andrade is just looking insane uh, physique wise. Um, Taz compares him to Dorian Yates, which means you're uh, you're yoked, as Taz would say. He misses the double knees in the corner, which allows King to hit this big uh, inside out lariat cannonball to the corner by Brody. And then Andrade fakes a kick, lands the spinning elbow. And this is when Excalibur says that's the move that broke Brian Danielson's orbital bone. And yes, it was Andrade where Danielson broke the orbital bone, but that is not the story that we have been presented. It's certainly um, a very, I I think, um, a retcon, I suppose you could call it. You know, I mean, initially it was credited to Okada. Okada, yeah, Yeah. with with Cassidy, the Mm -hmm. double team. And um, yeah. Yeah, in at least the match, you know, like that was that that particular match not involving Andrade was credited as the the place where Danielson hurt his eye. Mm-hmm. Now, I suppose because they need it for Andrade, or, or they prefer to use it for Andrade, somebody who's actually there all the time. I mean, this also could have just been Excalibur just throwing out this line, and then you know he. It, but it's just, very you know, specific. It it's a very specific incident he's referencing, you know, which did not occur. I mean. It was the collar and elbow tie-up, as far as we know, in reality. But, you know, now they're telling us it's it was the back elbow, which is fine. Totally fine. Maybe they just, hey, we restudied the footage, and uh, actually the the, uh, the back elbow from Andrade caused um, the initial damage that just ultimately gave, gave way. I mean, he did break it in two places, so maybe he can explain that Okada broke one and Andrade broke the other. And, uh, <laughs> oh, they all broke my orbital. They, everybody could take credit for Daniel. Everybody uh, did. Yes. Injury. Yeah. So they fight on the top turnbuckle and the top of the, the, the steel on the turnbuckle is exposed. And Brody takes a DDT onto the steel and he is hit with the hammerlock DDT. And Andrade pins Brody King in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. Chris Sampsa noting that this was the first singles pinfall loss for Brody King ever in AEW. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I thought, uh, yeah, really excellent match here. Uh, Andrade has really been looking awesome, both in ring and I suppose um, in the gym. <laughs> Look at this dude. Dude, oh, wait, wait till you see Zac Efron in the Iron Claw, okay? When you see oh, really? I did to himself, I mean, it's just like, what did what happened? Are we sure um, Andrade was in auditioning for, for the role of Mark Kerr? I, I think Andrade is going for uh, the Dorian Yates biopic. Oh, yeah, gotcha. With this. Okay. Um, well, he looks fantastic. And it's certainly, I mean, you know, um, uh, it's not impacted his in-ring style at all. Uh, the man arguably is is as as good as ever. Um, and, and this tournament has, has really shown it, along with Brody King, who I think has also really stood out in this tournament. Renee is in the back with Kevin Marshall and Ross Von Eric. And uh, Kevin loves AEW. He's got so many friends here. And uh, with that, the best friends walk in. Orange Cassidy, Danhausen, and Trent enter. And Orange says he needs some backup on Rampage. So Marshall and Ross are going to team with Orange on Rampage. And then they all do put their hand in. And we got to have... um, Orange Cassidy and Kevin Von Erich have a, have a moment here on television. So they did not bring them in front of the live crowd, but they're saving that for Rampage, which is fine because, th- dude, there was so much on this show that even with the overrun they had announced, I was like, are they going to fit everything into this 
uh, particular show. Like they were not wasting any time. It's true, but uh, I will say I, this is actually maybe one of the things I was uh, more looking forward to for for this particular. Dude, this show. was the thing I was most looking forward to on the show was Kevin coming out and getting that reaction. Um, yeah, which and is if fine to save it for the building for Friday. But yeah, I, I was tuning in like the Von Erics were like the most appealing thing on the show for me. I and it's not even a guarantee what we'll hear from Kevin. Like you know, cutting a promo, are we? Like, Probably not. I think he's just going to walk out with them, and I hope they do the claw spot with, with him just on whoever the heels right. are. They didn't even announce the opponents for Rampage, which they're taping. Yeah, I guess I just expected a bit more from um, Kevin Von Erich or just the Von Erichs in general on this particular show, just given the fact that they made a graphic for it, they promoted it, and because the to- the, the movie is so topical right now, um, I ex- ex- at the very least expected maybe like an in-arena appearance to say something beyond, I have a lot of friends here. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's I think there's going to be quite a lot of attention that this movie uh, generates. Mm -hmm. So Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho come out the Golden Jets and they replay the attack from full gear. Well, after full gear with starts and Big Bill after the press conference and Bill attacking Omega after he beat Ethan Page on collision. And the crowd is chanting Golden Jets, which Jericho notes. That's the first time we've ever heard that chant. And Jericho says that. He nearly had his elbow dislocated. He's got a big brace on his right elbow and calls out Starks and Big Bill. Starks comes out and explains that I don't have a problem with Omega, but Jericho, you suck the life out of everything. Look what you did to the inner circle. Look what you did to the JAS. Bill says no one would be surprised if Jericho attacked Omega out of nowhere. And Omega says, you think I don't trust Jericho? Of course I don't trust him. Hey, does anyone remember the firm? Can't say I do. That firm angle looks like it was more flaccid. Something you're more familiar with, Bill. It was soft. The crowd pops for this. Omega then jokes about how, what's the big deal? I get beaten down every two weeks anyway, but we have a tag title shot and we want it on December the 30th at Winter is Coming. As the Winnipeg Jets challenge, and he's like, the Golden Jets. We're not the Winnipeg Jets. Or the Golden Jets. <laughs> he should have just run with it. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think it. Uh, it. Whatever. Like. So the challenge is made and accepted for winter is coming. Starks notes, "I beat you, Jericho." Big Bill pipes in, "You actually beat him twice." And Starks is like, "Thank you, Cage Match. I beat you twice, and we are the best team without a name." So this is the door opening for Jericho, who says, "Well, you." we can help you with that. We can give you a name. And um, man, after, after edge got uh, the F bomb out a few weeks ago, boy, were were they not messing with anything here? Because I I think they censored asshole here. Well, I was watching on fight. So, okay. What were the names? Because they censored like the first two and I got absolute censor. Absolute assholes. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one was the Rick and the Dick. And then I'm sure he did. He did they did censor, censor the last one. Oh, yeah. They? It was Big Billy Blank. Uh, yeah. She, <laughs> they, Jericho explains, we'll take your first name and your last name and we'll call you Big Billy Starks. And Ricky responds, well, that one fell flat. Jericho's like, yeah, it did. But he <laughs> still is not going to give up on trying to get a chant going. And then the best line was Excalibur. Coming up this Friday final battle, Billy Starks challenging Athena. <laughs> so I'm trying to understand it, and, and like I can't imagine any 
sort of like punchline other than the fact that this fake name actually matches the name of somebody who's on your roster. Was that the whole idea or was there something else that Jericho was thinking that was clever enough for to end this zinger? I cannot fathom that Chris Jericho thought, you know, what's going to destroy the sides of this crowd that they are going to keel over in laughter. We've got Bill and we've got Starks. Bill could be Billy and Starks is his real last name. If we put them together, it's a separate wrestler. Don't you think Arlington would just die if I use this on live television? I cannot imagine that that was the thought process, but I could be wrong. This segment, I don't know way. I don't know what this was, Um, but this crowd, I mean, this crowd was just obeying Jericho and some were actually chanting this uh, when he commanded them to Starks then makes fun of Jericho's clothing from hot topic. And Jericho says that big bill is just a better dressed, less charismatic version of Enzo Amore. And Starks didn't care for that one. He says, I'm sick of you, Jericho. And I'm starting to get tired of you too, Kenny. You are Winnipeg scumbags. And then Kenny just, (laughs) well, it's time to bid you adieu. And all of you do bang, bang, and okay, hit my music to end this segment as we go on to the next quarter. Dude, this was like, first of all, Kenny was out there, and if this guy was just riffing off of whatever Jericho said, it was just like, follow my lead, I would have bought that, that Kenny Omega just went into this blind. Mm-hmm. Jericho was trying to do comedy, but also set up a match. Ricky Starks is like, all of this... Like, I saw a lot of people that that liked this, and it was like, it was so random and weird that I can't say I was uh, not entertained by some of this, but it was just all over the place. Like, there were there were things that were just totally missing, but they were, like, mm-hmm. having fun with it. I don't know if this was the most effective segment, but it was... um. It was something to watch for 10 minutes. It was a, it's kind of interesting to, or or difficult to fully assess with like sort of one statement, because I thought you had a lot of different reactions or I had a lot of different reactions to different moments in in this particular segment. There were some good lines, you know, I I thought, uh, uh, (laughs) certainly none of the names, (laughs) but, um, you know, and the dick. No, but calling like Ricky Starks, you know, a, a well-dressed version of Enzo Amore, I, I thought. And I got a big reaction from the reaction. crowd. Like anytime you're yeah. going to drop a something from a guy's past, it's it's probably going to meet that reaction. But there was a lot of bad here, you know, and, and that's sort of unexpected of somebody on the level of a Chris Jericho, um, like ending with the big Billy Starks uh, burn. I was it is still perplexing, I think, for um many. Uh I also thought Omega was pretty bad overall in this. I mean, not just really the Winnipeg Jets flub, um, which I mean he was also talking over Jericho at the beginning, like he was trying to get in his lines and Jericho was like ready to do his promo. It was it was clumsy. Like it did have a feel of like that that's why I said like Kenny kind of just felt like he was just reacting to whatever went on here and just wasn't like really in sync with with Jericho here which is not that unusual for I think AEW's style of in-ring segments I mean I wouldn't doubt that you know given the confidence that they might have in the the talents in in ring here that they just decided to go out and maybe call it call a lot of it in the ring and improvise a whole lot but often it it results in good but often results in not so good and tonight was in many places not so good 
Well, there we have uh, the setup for the tag title match at World's End. They recapped Christian beating Adam Copeland last week with the help of Shayna Wayne, but none of the principals on on the show tonight. Tony Storm comes out for commentary for Ruby Soho against Riho. And Tony Storm, what do you think of Tony Storm on commentary as opposed to just one of her Um, promo segments? I think... Like again, it's very much like how I feel it felt about the the previous segment. I thought there were moments that were like funny, you know, when she asked for the close up and made those like funny faces. I I thought stuff stuff like that kind of worked, but overall, it felt um, mm, it felt like a a bit of a a clash, you know, for for my attention as these sort of like you know commentary things typically do. But because she's such a gimmick, it often takes away her specifically kind of like you know takes away from maybe my attention on the match so it wasn't great but i understand why they did it just to kind of you know build to the match so they would constantly cut away to her reacting on commentary and then go to the black and white for the tony storm shots she thinks that this is an imposter in the ring because ruby soho does not have green hair uh so that was her um her mystery throughout no, the it's, match. it's ruby soho soho yes Soho tries for a German off the top turnbuckle, but gets elbowed by Riho, who hits a double stomp, then a uh, high cross for a two count. Saito suplex by Ruby. We're constantly going back to Tony, and then Rio uses a crucifix bomb. Soho catches her with the no future, gets the two count, and then it's a Northern Lights, Dragon suplex, and the running double knees by Riho to get the win in eight minutes and 31 seconds. So we are going towards Riho challenging Tony Storm for probably <laughs> an upcoming episode. Yeah. Crowd in Texas, or, or, or it could be even the pay per view. Um, given that we're so close to it, I mean, sure, possible. Yeah, yep. Crowd in Texas was really, really behind Riho here, and um, that's continually like very impressive, just given her lack of presence on on the shows in general. But crowd uh, was really into her, and they'll get a nice little title match out of this. But um, I, I guess Riho has still felt very far from being a challenger that you think could actually beat. The, you know, the current champion. Um, so I, I would, again, love to see just more storytelling or at least like tell personality pieces attached to Rio. Then there was a Wardlow highlight package. He's been preparing for war since his return to AEW. Would he be a letdown if he's the devil? Certainly. Yes. Okay. He could be one of the assailants. I, although I don't man. Okay. I don't know how they could explain that, just given his size and, and you know the people we see. Devil's Mask Men number three, Wardlow. <laughs> well, okay, whoever they're going to reveal as as the henchmen have to be of a certain stature, don't you think? If if this is supposed to be some sort of faction, mm, I don't know. I you think, think they'll just like be nameless guys? Uh, I don't want these masked men to even be part of this once the reveal is made. But I guess they have to be. I just feel like you're like the the. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, dude, I'm not, I'm not into the, the, like, let's just reveal this and, and go to the next step. Like, I'm mm-hmm. fine. Like, okay, we're going to do this intrigue until the reveal, but, um, man, I, I don't need like the, the devil's masked men being, uh, his henchmen moving forward. Roosh and Jay Lethal gold league match. So Jay Lethal is already out at zero and three Roosh, I guess at this point was still alive, but I think he's out by the end of the show. I believe with Jay White winning, Roosh has been eliminated. I believe that's what they said. So, yeah. Roosh had his left quad all taped up. And this one only went four and a half minutes. Uh, Lethal combination and then goes for the 
figure four onto Roosh, but Roosh cradles, catches Lethal with a belly-to-belly into the corner and goes to the bull's horns that Lethal stops with a super kick. And then Roosh catches the Lethal injection and applies a choke and Lethal taps out at 431 and Roosh won't release it at first and then does. So he goes to uh, six points, but after the next match, he would be eliminated. The the choke was specifically used as a way to um for him to send a message to John Moxley who tapped him out using the same move last week. So it, it it almost feels like we're at the point now in the in the tournament tournament where we're looking beyond it so that we're continuing to build storylines that will take place after the, the tournament tournament ends and Roosh and Moxley might be one of those programs, um, judging by this tease. Uh I thought the match was good. You know, like felt a little bit shorter, but um on a show with four much shorter. Yeah, on a show with four tournament matches, and I think you know to get over that finish, um, I thought it worked perfectly fine. They were also teasing Jay Lethal, essentially like kind of hitting rock bottom here with zero wins and and looking very frustrated and being consoled by the rest of his team. Teammates. Yeah, Jarrett, Karen, and uh, the crew came out to console him and walk him to the back. Jay White against Mark Briscoe. Uh, Jay White is uh, two and one with six points. Briscoe also out of it at zero and three. And a fan in the front row had a sign that read, Jay White puts pineapple on pizza. Is that so? Get those front row tickets. I mean, don't waste that that signage space. Um, Dude, I certainly a heel move. On, I love pineapple on pizza. So One of those, eh? It's one of, a, one of those. They also showed highlights of these two from ROH when uh, Jay White was approximately eight years old. <laughs> facing uh, Mark Briscoe. You know, facial hair does change a whole lot. And I suppose eight abs yeah, changes the, too. Yeah, young boy Jay White and David Finley. Um, yeah. they, they these were children in mm-hmm. that setting. Briscoe lands the froggy bow early, but Jay rolls to the floor, and then White sends him over to the top, and he crashes on the apron coming down. They plug final battle here and added a Vikingo against Black Taurus to Friday's show. Mm-hmm. And Briscoe hits an elbow off the apron, razors edge off the turnbuckle, and calls for the J Driller. But White stops him with dragon screws, a pair of sleeper suplexes, and then the Blade Runner gets countered with this big twisting urinagi. Tries for one last froggy bow, but lands on the knees, setting up the Blade Runner by Jay to win in 11 minutes and 19 seconds. So Jay White is alive. He moves up to nine points. So at this point, he's tied with Swerve and Moxley. And uh, Mark Briscoe might be zero and four, but I think he has gotten more out of this tournament than. Um, like this to me is the most momentum he has actually had uh, in an AEW setting where Mm -hmm. I think he's looked really good in all of his singles matches. And I, I'm glad that he was part of this tournament. Like he was someone that to me came out of it and he was like a sentimental favorite, but you know, maybe he's, he gets like the one win in his final match. Yeah. uh, Nathan here is mentioning lethal versus Briscoe for their only victory should be pretty heated. And of course that's also a rematch from the Jay Briscoe tribute. So that, that totally feels like the storyline that they'll, they'll be going for. Um, Who's always going to go, I suppose. Solid match here. I, I agree with you. I think Mark Briscoe is a, totally worthy addition to this tournament because he's always somebody who's going to have the crowd's favor no matter how much he loses so um he's definitely gained something just by being in the mix here what's so special about hero Bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co so then we move on over to a video for the BCC against FTR and Mark Briscoe for Friday and announced for Rampage. We know that Orange Cassidy will team with the Von Erics and then Collision, the Blue League matches, 
uh, have Andrade El Idolo against Claudio Castagnoli, Eddie Kingston against Daniel Garcia, and Brody King against Brian Danielson on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Main event, Swerve Strickland, John Moxley, 3-0, each man with nine points. And the crowd is chanting, holy shit, as soon as the bell rings. And then they break out into an AEW chant, which I can't recall too many AEW chants. Um, no, really? Maybe I just don't notice them that much, but. Yeah. I've never noticed. Um, I'm sure mm. they have occurred, but um, yeah, so they were very heated at the beginning here. And we see Swerve with a DDT off the ropes. Then Moxley hits a pile driver and ends up uh, yanking the ring skirt between the legs of Swerve and applies a hammerlock to ram Swerve's injured shoulder, which is taped up into the steps. And then Moxley destroys this shoulder throughout the picture in picture. Swerve then rolls right into a cutter from Moxley. Moxley hits a gotch style pile driver. And it's Swerve who stops the momentum with a rolling flatliner. Uh, Moxley pops up after a suplex, drops him with a boot, and Moxley shoves Swerve off the top. He crashes to the floor, and as Swerve beats the count, eats a stomp, and then it's Moxley applying his choke, moves to the armbar, and Swerve gets to the rope, and now it's time for Moxley to go grab a chair. But it's thwarted by Swerve, who seats Moxley on the floor, hits the Swerve stomp on the chair, rolls him into the ring, hits another Swerve stomp, and Moxley kicks out for a big reaction. Moxley then counters a JML driver and rolls up Swerve and grabs the tights as he said he would do anything required to win. And he does so at 16 minutes and 23 seconds. So Moxley is now leading the entire field with 12 points and both uh, Swerve and Jay White are still alive and their final match is together as well. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cause um, you know, we're doing this right after the show. So maybe not really sitting down with the calculators just yet, but I'm, I'm also curious to know like what the tiebreaker situations are and who already might be mathematically eliminated. Um, well, the top two advanced to the semifinals. So mm-hmm. I think that this would pretty much, so next week you could do a scenario where, sorry, it's uh, Jay White is facing Moxley. That's, that's the match next week. And then Swerve takes on Roosh. So you could so Moxley and White, the winner, if Moxley wins, he's obviously in. If White won, he would be tied with Moxley and Swerve. And he'd have the tiebreaker over Mox. He would have the tiebreaker over Moxley, but Strickland would have the tiebreaker over Jay White. Okay. So we so, could have So again, it's the top two. So as long as like, you know, anyway. The, the, this is what it when it kind of gets fun, you know, doing doing round robin or not fun, depending on how much you you like numbers and math. But um, I so okay, so basically we have three people alive, right? Yeah. If if Jay White beat Moxley and Swerve beats Roosh, you would have a three way tie, which I don't think will be the end result here because you would have different people with the tiebreaker over one another, unless you wanted to do some like. Um, I don't even know how you would do that, where you have to get two to advance over uh, uh, mm-hmm. out of the three. But anyway, that's how the Gold League is is looking for next week as they mm-hmm. wind things down in the round robin stage. And as the show ended, we cut to the dreaded parking lot and four masked men attack Hangman Page. And we see the devil get out of the car and signal to the masked men. And they drop Hangman onto the windshield. And that is how the show ends with uh, with Hangman on the windshield. So this would lead you uh, to eliminate hangman page as one of the suspects. You're, sure. Yeah, I guess unless, um, 
you know, this is a, a bump he was willing to take to maybe uh, take himself out of uh, being a suspect. You know, you never know. He but hired I hired a devil. Maybe. Sure. A stunt devil. Well, uh, <laughs> did you watch Scream? More than one people could wear a mask. Okay. Yeah, that's possible. Um, but I guess the, the choice of the windshield break might have been quite deliberate here because, uh, of course, a lot of people are left asking the question, was it real class, John? I hope not. I hope not. Too many injuries as it is. Don't we? We don't need real glass. I mean, what what, what could be worse? Um, um, I I have nothing more to add on. on no, this angle at the. End. I mean, I really do think maybe they're 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 playing with the idea that that it's Jack Perry. Um, I I would still suggest that's probably the leading um suspect that at least among the audience right now. So I like that direction. That's good. I, I I wonder how many people might agree with you. I think some some would would be disappointed by that. But who who, who do people want it to be? Well, exactly. Like I don't know. I I think Jack Perry is a a fine person. You like know? I I don't hear all these like oh this would be an awesome idea if it was like I guess Adam Cole would be would would constitute a big surprise. Um, like those would be my my ways yeah. of going. But like Adam Cole is like okay, you reveal him at the pay per view like. What, what what can you do? You can't follow it up. You're not running this angle till the summer. Yeah, it's uh, no matter who it is, it, it's going to be met with, I think, a, a good amount of criticism regardless. Uh, and that's just sort of the nature of these sort of things. But I, I think a Jack Perry would be a worthy like person to fulfill the role. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's the latest. Do you think we are any closer to a reveal um, before the end of the year? Or do you see this going beyond World's End? I I heard like I haven't heard this promoted anywhere, but Tony Khan had mentioned something about like the f- like teasing like the reveal would be made at, at the pay per view. If I'm hearing things right, I uh, I don't know. I I mean I missed out a lot of, on, on a lot over the past week, so I'm not sure. I'll have to double check on that, but I, I I don't feel you should be running this much longer. Like the pay per view would feel like a good time to wrap this up, if not shortly afterward. Well, who knows how many plans have changed with this Adam Cole injury and whether or not, you know, they, they want to wait for Adam Cole to come back, which feels like a, at this point an, an eternity for, to drag this thing That's out. That's not even FaceTiming in anymore. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, l- listen, it's it's kind of fun to play the guessing game. And I think having segments like this of, you know, Hangman Page being attacked and it it leads to um, – a- like something – like like sort of a, an ongoing narrative that we can all – have fun guessing um but it's the wrestling on the show that i think i think you know really holds holds it up and, and gives the audience what they probably mainly came to AEW dynamite for and the show delivered that i i thought all the tournament matches were very strong um and gave you like interesting sort of point scenarios or narratives throughout i i really enjoyed dynamite i thought that the wrestling was very strong i didn't think there was a weak match on the show and um it, it kept my attention for the whole show. I, you had like a bit of a breakup there with the, with the golden jet segment and then right. Which back was to, not necessarily great, but you know, still it was interesting. And I, I think, um, and at its core, it was like your angle to set up a significant match on, on the pay-per-view as well. But like, this was just, and you had like a really intriguing main event that I think people were genuinely invested in with Moxley and, and swerve as you could see, like, and again, this crowd, I can't say it enough. I thought they were a really great crowd that, it was very reminiscent of other AEW shows where it might not be 10,000 people, but you know, 3,500, they really sounded it. And mm-hmm. I, I thought they elevated a lot too, by just 
just the fact they were they were not sitting on their hands for that um that golden jets promo like they were they were into the guys and the insults and it it worked to a pretty good degree inside the building Um, and all the tournament matches received very good reactions as well listen the tournament i think people are into the tournament it's Mm -hmm. something that they built the matches have been very good quality and and now you're getting into the 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 fun part uh when you've put in all the work that now Mm -hmm. it's different scenarios and the wins and losses mean a whole lot more i'm curious to see how they present sort of like um, these scenarios i mean excalibur i thought they did a really good job of lining out before the matches this person has to win in order to stay alive you know such and such and i'm curious with the math sort of like becoming a lot more important um how they present it next week all right we're going to open it up. If you have super chats, now is the time to send them in. Uh, before we go to feedback, I just wanted to quickly go through the uh, the card as we have it for Final Battle on Friday, since we won't be talking to you before then. Obviously, they'll probably be adding some more stuff on Thursday's show, but uh, it's headlined by Athena and Billy Starks for the women's title. It will be FTR teaming with Mark Briscoe against Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and Claudio Castagnoli. An I quit match between Ethan Page and Tony Nice. Keith Lee against Shane Taylor. And then the survival of the fittest finals for the vacant ROH television title, Dalton Castle, Commander, Kyle Fletcher, Lee Johnson, Lee Moriarty, and one more to be added. So five matches so far. Oh, plus the Kingo and Black Taurus was announced on Thursday. So we have six matches and probably uh, more to be added. And they usually do their pre-show on top of that. So I could see quite a few more matches added over the next day or so. Yeah, the talent, I mean, on the on, on, on the AEW or ROH roster is always very strong. And I think these pay-per-view level shows from ROH always deliver and, and always get people talking. Um, tonight, I thought they did a good job of, you know, through that Danielson promo of driving maybe more of a sort of a sentimental interest in in that six-man with the BCC and, and FTR and, and Mark Briscoe uh, as pretty much a tribute to Jay. So um, that was very strong. I think Athena and Billy Starks. Is, you know, in a main event role um, is is pretty exciting. I kind of wish that they they had more presence on Dynamite um, to build up to it because at the moment I don't even know other than the Jericho line, you know, um, how many people are even aware of it. I suppose so. Yeah. This is interesting. Had they done the Jay Lethal Mark Briscoe match tonight that everyone noted was from the, the it was the Jay Briscoe tribute match tonight was the building of that final dog collar match last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. OK. And hmm. it was at the College Park Center last year. All right. Let's go on uh, to feedback. Uh, do you want to kick things off with? Yeah, let's go to forum.postwrestling.com where you uh, all of our patrons can leave feedback to. Uh, any of the shows that John and I do. And we start things off here with Mark P who says, if you want proof, how beneficial the continental classic has been for this company, watch the opening moments of Swerve versus Moxley, no titles, no traditional storylines, just fans standing in excitement and chanting, Holy shit. in AEW, the finish leads me to think that we're getting a Moxley versus Swerve rematch for the gold league finals where Strickland will get his win back. The shoulder being up and Taz bringing attention to it felt very deliberate. Not to mention Mox holding the tights. I actually completely miss the shoulder being up and um, I see you saw at least one other person in the chat room bring it up here so um that must have been uh something that occurred yeah i totally missed it but i, I did catch the tights so um 
that is the spirit of this company. And I would like to mention the C2 is helping refocus a lot of what has been floundering over the last year. Aside from a very subpar promo battle setting up the Tag Team Championship match at World 10, I'd say this was a near-perfect addition of Dynamite. Very happy to see Hangman getting back into the main event mix. Despite the Twitter engagement farmers and podcast grifters out there in constant speculation over the last 48 hours, I think AEW's 2024 looks incredibly bright and full of exciting potentials. Jesse from Cincinnati. This might be the first time that the AEW special year-end episode of Dynamite doesn't have a major world title match, but now with all the rumors about WBD and Raw rights in the USA, thanks to one Bill Phil, is TK very worried now? I don't know what that has to do with uh, no title match on, on Dynamite, but somehow all of that together is uh, um, no, no. I, I, I don't know how worried Tony Khan would be about all of this. Yeah, and I, 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 I think you know if you're reading, maybe John not speaking much about it, it's because we don't know anything right now. We, it's, it's kind of you know, we shouldn't be just commenting on vague tweets. So uh, we can't really comment on it. Let's go to Bruce who says it's back, guys. This is the dynamite I remember. This is the dynamite that made Wednesday something to look forward to. This is the dynamite that got me excited about primetime American wrestling for the first time in decades. Was the Golden Jets promo dopey and half-baked, and do I still not care about the devil? Sure, but it's a lot easier to forgive those segments when they're surrounded by fantastic wrestling, and I'll take an Omega brain fart over unfunny, overproduced pre-taped comedy every time. Despite its awkward and abrupt introduction and rollout, the C2 has been improving week by week, and that sort of additional arcs in feuds around Robin tournaments should have are emerging. On a related note, I grabbed half a dozen tickets for Vancouver's first AEW show this weekend. A lot more of my casual viewing friends were up for going to that show than when tickets went on sale for Russell Dream. This is purely anecdotal, of course, but it feels like more shows like tonight's should help to make AEW appointment viewing for more folks again. That's right. And they've got uh, the Revolution tickets they were mentioning going on sale. So the, the Sting retirement on uh, the, the, this week as well. So that, that's going to be interesting, especially for a market like like Greensboro to see what the response is for that. And the last one here is Jordan from the Bronx. Fun show with a couple of questionable moves. The Von Erics were relegated to a backstage segment with Orange Cassidy to set up a Rampage match. The Golden Jets promo was not for me. No Christian Copeland fallout at all. The show was pretty loaded with matches and the non-wrestling segments were not inspiring. Okay, well, here would be the question is like, what what would you have cut from this show if you were trying to fit all of this in? No, nothing. I mean, you had a lot of, of tournament matches and, and storyline that was more important. I guess I, I just wouldn't have announced the Von Erics beforehand. You announced them for Rampage, fine, but no need to announce them to get people's hopes up before because you didn't deliver anything. Well, I think it's more for the, like, the, I would think of it, it's more of the people in the building uh, to really see the Von Erics. It's not like they're depriving them of that. Um but yeah, if you, if you were tuning in tonight for the Von Eriks, um, yeah, I could see you being underwhelmed and you have to wait till till Friday. But as for all of the wrestling, all of the matches were fun. Swerve and Moxley had a big match energy. The tournament has done wonders for Swerve, Brody King, and Roosh. My prediction is that Swerve and Moxley rematch in the block finals with Swerve getting his lick back. The blue side, I can see Eddie Kingston coming back and winning the block against Andrade in the finals. So let me do this. If Swerve wins next week against Roosh, Moxley could lose to Jay White, but again, then we would have a three-way tie because if Moxley wins his match, well, he's first. So yeah, you could do, Moxley could beat Jay White, Swerve beats Roosh, and then they're still one-two, and then they would meet in the semifinals. So that's how you would get to that scenario. That's, that's Mm -hmm. very possible. Sure. Yeah. All right. 
There you have it, everybody. You can uh, start all your scenarios uh, to map out between now and December the 30th. But thanks uh, for the feedback. Before we get on out of here, I want to plug the jingle contest that is open. Our Christmas show is going to be dropping on Christmas Eve, December the 24th. And if you go to forum.postwrestling.com, all of the uh, instructions to submit your Christmas jingle are there. Uh, We ask for them to preferably be under two minutes and copyright free music but you can send them uh, just post them on the thread or you can email it to us and we will play them on the show we will judge all of the submissions and announce the winner of the 2023 christmas show contest very big show coming everyone's way on christmas eve yeah we're getting set to uh maybe do some record some of it uh, starting next week so uh very exciting very busy here in the post wrestling north pole that's it uh, the North Pole of the post-wrestling mm-hmm. community. That's it for us on Thursday. What's coming up on Thursday, Way? Rewind away. Have you started Ult- The Ultimate Fighter? Yes, I have. Yeah, I only have the fight left remaining. So uh, I, watch it on Fight Pass or watch it elsewhere uh, because I know, John, you had some issues with it. But yeah, the first I did correct episodes- my streaming issues, but uh, I don't care. I, wa- I watch most of it on YouTube, but it's also yeah. on uh, Fight Pass. So uh, you sit back and enjoy as uh, Bruce Buffer uh, introduced Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner. <laughs> Both before and after the fight, no uh, one came up to Bruce to like correct him. It's like it's actually stuck. Clearly, the man did not watch the season of the Ultimate Fighter. Busy man. All right, uh, very fun show that I think is coming up on Thursday on uh, the Ultimate Fighter season one, and then we'll speak with you Friday night, free and live edition of Rewind to SmackDown. Cafe members will, of course, have the access to call in afterwards. So if you're watching Final Battle, uh, you can chime in. If you're not watching Final Battle. You can call in, Uh, but we'll speak with all of you then and have a great night. Goodbye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more. Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.